are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing lovely. Thank you for asking. Hmm, well, I'm glad you're doing well. I mean, people listening to this that have heard the same intro 40 million times now are wondering, what's he going to ask? Well, it's next? been 113, but I'm sure they're probably <laughs> You feel like that, maybe. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, we did pass a milestone last week. Uh, we've had over 50,000 listens to the show. And I, I think that feels like an accomplishment. feels like a good yeah, number. It's kind of fun. Um, you know, it's a very, very, very niche podcast. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're not trying to... Uh, uh, we're not trying to make this for everyone. We're trying to make this for marketers and manufacturing, and um, that and, and those that get that manufacturing marketing is, uh, frankly, a different kettle of fish. So that's not everyone, uh, but there's at least fifty thousand folks out there. So that's kind of cool. It is indeed, and Spotify is not calling anytime soon to have us replace Joe Rogan. So, well, and uh, but I think that that could be uh, positive for Spotify on a number of levels, frankly. <laughs> If they did, uh, if they did call us up, but we'll we'll cross that bridge perhaps in the next episode. Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, looking forward to our guest today, uh, having uh, another great conversation about ABM. I mean, it, it's just it continues to be the topic that is on the minds of a lot of manufacturing marketers, and uh, and I'm always interested to hear how people are approaching it. Absolutely, yeah. Let's uh, let's get going. Absolutely. So, joining us today is Renee Tarnitzer. Renee is the marketing director. For digital with Carrie. Welcome to the Cooler Ring, Renee. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Renee, it's awesome to have you on the show, and uh, and thank you for bringing um, such a unique last name to the party and trying to uh, trip Jeff up again. It's been an ongoing theme here at the Cooler Ring to try to get Jeff to mispronounce a uh, last name. So, um, I guess fantastic. Yeah, he did all right this time. So, I mean, it's kind of disappointing. We can't make fun of him, but. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, Renee, it is. It's lovely to have you on the show. And um, uh, please look, uh, uh, give us a bit of an introduction to Carrie, if you would, uh, for those listening that don't know um, of the organization, and uh, a bit about your role there before we get underway. Sure, absolutely. So Carrie is one of the greatest companies you'll never hear about. Um, we are behind the scenes in a lot of food and beverage ingredients. And the easy way to explain it is that we make great tasting food, clean label, and we take clean label foods and make them taste great. Very cool. Yeah. Lovely, succinct way of putting it. Yeah, it, it makes it really easy to understand. And so my role at Carrie has been as the digital marketing director for North America. And as part of that, it's really been to establish Carrie as a thought leader in the industry for with our content marketing and then use that content marketing for uh, lead generation and demand generation. And over the last year, year and a half, two years, we've really been also focusing on trying to start on that ABM journey to make sure that our content is much more personalized for our customers. Very cool. I, I, you know, I do want to get into that. I, I just, uh, just for context setting a bit, because I think when people look at a company the size of Carrie, um, they're thinking, my goodness, you probably have a 500-person marketing team. Uh, so maybe give us a bit of an idea of of, uh, of the, the the scale of the marketing organization. Right. So the the actual digital marketing team is about six people. 
We also have a design team that is just fantastic. Um, they are a team of about five people, five or six people. And we have an amazing insights team that may, and both of those other two teams make my job a lot easier. Um, but our insights team consists of three people. So relatively small, but mighty, isn't it? Small, but mighty. Yep. We, we try to make sure that we're either getting the most bang for our buck or we're repurposing, reducing, reusing as mm. much as we can. I bet. Well, look, let's, um, let's dive into this, uh, ABM journey because I know I, look, I think like a lot of marketers, you're, you're kind of in that uh, transition phase, if you will. You're looking at a bank of content marketing effort and then looking at how do you kind of shift that or pivot it, if you will, uh, to make it uh, fit an ABM um, kind of model going forward. And I think you've been kind of going at it a little bit with that in mind for the last little while. So I really like to kind of understand more about your experience there. Right, right. And I think for us, it's it's been a fantastic journey, quite frankly. It's been one of those things that um, when we started on this, really taking a look at, again, the content behind it is, is key. So before you do anything in ABM, you've got to be able to have that content marketing strategy well established and content that you can you can use to be able to repurpose for that personalization. Um, so really when our insights team really was focused on trying to get us great research, great thought leadership that we could start putting out there, then it was a matter of how can we repurpose this into blog content, into, um, into email, into interactive tools? How can we reuse these, these tools to make a better experience with our content? And so it became something that very quickly the rest of our organization saw how important that was to just lead generation. And so as we continued taking a look at, okay, this works, you know, it's a great opportunity to be able to find out what our customers are interested in, find out what prospects are interested in, how can we continue to have those conversations. And at and, that point, is the content that you're creating and kind of getting, starting to narrow in on, on verticals or specific applications or pain points? Or Yep, as we, as we started to take a look at how can we personalize this, the first step was to take a look at the, at the verticals. So what, what might be interesting to one vertical may not be interesting to another. So really making sure that whatever we're doing is super important to that vertical and gets them to continue to engage. It's interesting. The, um, I mean, it's a common way of, uh, of delineating uh, the different tiers of a, of an, of a target account uh, list. You know, that tier one being the one-to-one outreach, tier two right. being more vertical specific, and then tier three being everybody we want to sell to, but we don't want to sell to them enough that we actually are going to personalize anything. Right. Um, and um, uh, so it sounds like you really kind of narrowed in on what some people would think of as a as that tier two vertical strategy. Absolutely. And, and begin to narrow the content in there first with a view to at some point taking it to a one-to-one, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that has been, that has really been our journey is starting out at the one-to-many and then slowly moving into the, uh, how do we pilot this into a one-to-few? Mm. 
Mm. And how do we then expand it to be able to be, and for us, it needs to be one to few on different verticals and different channels. So, you know, how do we make sure that we're doing that across the board with the ultimate goal of being able to get to that one-to-one journey? And, you know, for us, it's been, we, we don't necessarily have absolutely every tool in place to be able to fully do ABM. And so based on the principles that we know to be true for ABM, based on what we know we want to get to for an experience for our customers, what pieces can we put in place to help us get to get to that journey? And so kind of modifying it for what our needs are and how we can take what we have, make our proof case, and then you know, the, with the ultimate goal of being able to get to that one-to-one with the right tools and the right experience. I don't, I don't want to lose sight of the, of the tool set that you've put in place and how you've been attacking, you know, um, implementing ABM. But I, I want to go back to a little bit because, I mean, you, you've been with the company for just under four years, from what I understand. Correct. How, how did you approach content at the start of your work there? That, it, that differs from how you approach it now? Because you didn't necessarily have that foundation when you came in, if I recall correctly. We absolutely did not. Um, we were doing lead generation that um, was not centered around content at all. And we got, we got very lucky. We had some new people in the, the business and we had some research behind us and we said, great, let's take it, let's run with it. And it was extremely su- successful in demand generation. And so again, that was really that, that mass blast, you know, it was relevant to everybody. And it was important to prove the case that thought leadership was the right thing to do. So we needed to prove that case and, and we did very successfully. And how we've kind of evolved that is to then take that, that, that mass content and figure out what pieces of it would be relevant for any given vertical and how do we reuse that to make sure that things are, um, that things are relevant to, you know, those strategic account strategies that are super important to review and look at as you're, as you're planning your, your ABM. It's a funny uh, kind of hinge of this. I, I've been kind of, um, you know, thinking about this a fair bit lately. This notion that if you go down the lens of creating lead gen content, content for what people typically think of as inbound marketing, mm-hmm. uh, if you do that with an ABM lens, it leads you to create different content than what you would create if you were just doing it as a lead gen program. Because that, just like you said, it forces you. If you're thinking about it just through the inbound lens then your uh, initial uh, predisposition is to say, let's cast as wide as that as possible because you know, I, need, I need some content. Right. terms can I hit with this content? Yeah, I need, I need content that serves a lot of masters then, right? And, and almost ABM demands focus. It wants focus. Um, right. Uh, so there, in some ways, I, 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 yes, I, I think ABM and, uh, and inbound are, are, are they, they can lovely they can coexist but um uh, i do think um they're 
the pure methodology is in some ways a bit contradictory. Like it is. It, yeah, yeah. It's a, I, I, I think it's an important um, distinction for most manufacturing marketers versus just B2B marketers. Right. An awful lot of B2B marketers, they're, they're, they, have a, they don't have a finite uh, target account list at all. They, you know, right. It's almost unlimited, but there's only so many people that can buy from Carrie. Right, right. Well, and I think, too, it's um, helping bring your C-suite along with you on that journey. So again, you know, you see great success in thought leadership and, and you know, that mass blast and great, we're bringing in leads, we're bringing in contacts, they're engaging with us. And then now all of a sudden you're going to a program that isn't going to drive as many leads, that isn't going to necessarily be that same metric that you've been touting for a while. It, it, that's an interesting one. It's like, be careful of the vanity right. metrics early right. on because they can come back and haunt you later. But, you know, the thing is how we've been able to really help this, help bring the C-suite along with us on that journey is as we continue to evolve, as we continue to be smarter, we need to be that customer-centric focus. So, again... For us, it's not, you know, a a perfect, here is our ABM, you know, we're going to be that one-to-one. It's how do we keep our C-suite happy? And yet, how do we bring them on that ABM journey so that we know as we go forward, we're doing the right things for our customers? So it will continue to be a transition process for us, but it's the right thing to do. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm yeah and i i love this because it's you know often it's you're competing you're 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 putting the c-suite against the sales team in some respects you know like the right. c-suite wants to hear like how many more people do we bring into the site how many more people converted are they reading our stuff are they downloading it how are we contacting them and the sales people are going whoa 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 like i don't want too many of these people because you know if you give me too many, I know that they're most of them are going to be bad. So give me the ones that matter. Give me the ones that do what right. I need. And right. How how engaged have you been with the sales team at Carry as well in terms of uh, getting their buy-in and getting their thoughts on the uh, on the content that you're creating in the ABM program? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have been pretty close in contact with that team to make sure that they understand what is what is being sent out through our pilot and um, you know communicating and again this is this is new for them digital is just a new space for them at carry and so being able to help them understand okay here's what a good follow-up might look like hands down you know your customer the best I'm not at all suggesting here's how what you need to say to your customer but you know in a typical 
digital follow-up, this is what it might look like. And um, making sure that we have the right tools for them to have additional conversations with them. So even providing them with some additional you know, here are some blog articles that might be interesting. Here's, you know, some other pieces of content that aren't necessarily digital, but that might be interesting to continue the conversation with them. So it gives you an opportunity to continue to say, hey, you know, I think you might find this interesting as well and really form that partnership so that that communication and that customer centricity. Okay, great. We know you might be interested in this. Here's some additional information that might help you. That's a great tip. I mean, in, in some ways, uh, if you approach those sales interactions or, you know, as the marketing team, if you're, if you're too prescriptive in suggesting what sales ought to be saying to their customers, I mean, they'll slap your hands pretty quick Yeah. Um, and, and suggest you're out over your skis. And I like your approach to say, look, here's some content that can kind of help further the education journey that you're you're bringing your prospect on. Um, here's how some of this follow-up may look in, in, in another world. You do it as you wish. Um, right. That's probably, uh, uh, that's probably a nice balance. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think it's such an important balance, um, you know, uh, as marketers, you know, we can only be so successful as salespeople, we can only be so successful, but when you actually partner together and get everybody working on the same process and the same things, boy, that's when you can really see the magic happen. Yeah, and especially as you begin to take a more account-focused orientation across mm -hmm. the enterprise, um, the demands uh, that it become more of a synchronized swim is much greater. Uh, and, I like uh, that. <laughs> it, uh, it's not, um, that's a hard, everybody wants to talk about integration of sales and marketing and how they're all on the same team and on and on. But and most organizations still have a long way to go. They're not in the infighting stage like a lot of people were uh, maybe five, 10 years ago. But, um, you know, the organizations are still kind of different breeds in some way. And, uh, right, right. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd be curious about the, um, before we get too far away from it, because you mentioned the interactive tool versus other types of content that you create mm -hmm. uh, earlier on. And I'm kind of curious. I, um, I, I guess we, we've had a fair bit of experience in the development of interactive tools for lead gen. Mm -hmm. I find that they, not to lead the witness too much, but I find we have found over time that they convert almost at twice the rate of static assets, mm -hmm. uh, all other things being equal, which they never are. Um, I'd be curious, you know, have you, have you had uh, uh, seen similar kind of performance lift with interactive content versus static? And to what extent have you experimented with making that interactive content more uh, account focused or one to one or vertical focused? Yeah. And so the interactive tools that we have done have been really database. So as we continue to pull our research, how can we how can we use that as a tool to let our customers select for their market or their specific product what types of ingredients might be might be important um, one of the most recent that we launched was a proactive health tool that actually allowed you to say i'm interested in incorporating this type of functionality into my product and these are some of the the top 10 actual ingredients that 
customers perceive to have that functionality. Um, because that is done by product, so a beverage product is going to be looking at something different and people perceive that as, as just different for potentially a snack product. Um, it's already defaulted to a little bit more segmented, but so far we have not fully created an interactive tool for one particular market, but it's something we'd like to do. That's a point well taken, though, that it's already kind of a bit segmented. as you Right. Know. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, and is uh, is my hunch correct? Is the conversion rate higher on that type of interactive tool than what you see in some of the static content? Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the interesting pieces is that it has also become a source for just great conversations for the sales team to be having. And hey, you know, they'll they'll dive right into it. So it's just they're they're just fantastic tools. It's great to think out of the box with that. Yeah, it's a nice way to um, make the website something that um, the internal team uses uh, in addition to just prospects and customers. Exactly. I think that's often a sign that you're doing it right. Is mm -hmm. it yeah. the internal team to start using your own website um, in their conversations with customers and clients? Yep. <laughs> and when prospects and when salespeople are telling the prospects, don't go to the website, that's when you know you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Both happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, this is uh, really this is fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I, uh, I I I admire the um, the the evolution on this um, uh, content journey, kind of beginning to think about it through that ABM lens as you as you um, as you pilot this process. And um, I guess as you kind of look uh, in the crystal ball a bit, um, where's it all going? Um, is, there, is it the kind of you're seeing a more expansion of the account focused approach, perhaps integrating intent data and things of that sort? I'm just curious. What, uh, what do you yeah, see on the horizon? Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the future holds for us just getting closer and closer to that ABM. So really making sure that we've identified how what is the best way to for us to be segmenting in that one to few space? And then how do we start looking at a pilot in the one to one space so that we can, again, build our proof cases and say, this is how it actually moves the needle because ultimately we know it's the right thing to do, but proof is in the pudding, right? So we've gotta be able to make some proof cases. So running pilots and making sure that we're having open dialogues about what's working, what's not working, how do we continue to make this better and inch closer to that one-to-one -one model and then scale it? Cause that's gonna be the next case is great. We might be able to get to you know one particular customer that we can do some really great um, ABM plans, but then with a very small team, how do we make sure that we can scale it appropriately? Do you intend to, uh, we, we talked a little bit about earlier about the fact that you were rolling your own tool set. Are, are you intending to roll out something larger that, that gives you more control and, and more power in that respect? Or are you going to continue to kind of grow and, and use these uh, more specific tools that you've pulled together? At this time, we're probably focused on using our own tools, but um, you know, I would like to get to a point where demand or ABM is such a critical piece of our our toolhouse that we create we look for a specific tool that can really help us with that. 
I think a lot of um, a lot of people find themselves in that position. I mean, ABM platforms, you know, there's a variety of them, and they all have different feature sets or what have you. But you know, they're not. A, it's not a. It's not a small investment um, right. for many marketing organizations, and they find themselves in a place where they're trying to have to present a, a, a and build proof cases without the benefit of right. the technology that can really help drive those results. It's a. It, it's a bit like being asked, okay, well, you gotta. You know, you got to win the, you got to win this boxing match, but just the left hand is going to be behind your back the whole time. Right, right, right. It is. And, you know, again, I think, I know this seems strange, but I think as, as marketers, we need to keep the faith. You know what the right thing to do is, and you need to make sure that, okay, I get it. I get that the investment is high, so you need me to prove it. Great. I'm going to prove it. We're going to continue the dialogue about why this is the right thing to do, and we're going to get there. So I, I think as marketers, that is that is our job. We need to think out of the box. How can we use the tools that we have? Nobody's nobody's going to give us you know the magic million dollar check that says here, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, said no marketer ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those things that great. I'll make my proof case. We'll continue the dialogue. And then how do we get to the place where I know as a marketer, it's the right thing for us to be doing as an organization. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What um, in like outside of the, uh, the tool sets and things like that and, uh, and thinking a bit beyond the content, one of the things we haven't really talked about is how you are um, compiling your target account lists and where you're where you're sort of going with that side of things like um how 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 are you how are you moving forward with that in terms of continuing to segment and and niche or or niche down your uh the people that you're going after that's an interesting question jeff because i mean uh, you know every organization does find that you know the typical segmentation or that you would think from the outside looking in isn't where you end up um uh you know there's some more nuance to it i'm curious about this renee great and i think you know the key is and especially when it's something that if your organization is new at if your organization doesn't have those strategic account plans to you know start somewhere start and just try and figure out, okay, what do we think is the best? And then taking a look at, at you know, it's everything with us, with digital is, it's gotta be based in analytics. So, you know, start, take a look at the analytics and then let the analytics drive where your next decisions should be. So that's what we'll be doing going forward is, is just making sure that as we do everything that we've got some sort of analytics behind it to say, yeah, we feel like this is good. Do we feel like we can move the needle better if we tried this? Great, test it, learn, continue to advance. Yeah, is this um, one of the things I think you really benefit from is having this three-person insights team as well. It's not it's not necessarily a common um, component of a lot of marketing right. teams within manufacturers, and I think sometimes that because you know good data analysts and good people who can dig into not just the the analytics of, of how things are performing, but also the analytics of your content and, and the company itself. Right. Um, you know, I have to imagine that they're playing a big role in helping you determine what to do next. Oh, absolutely. Our insights team, like I said, I mean, 
our our insights team and our design team just make us look good when we roll out roll anything out. So being able to have have that level of data, if I could advise anyone on on one thing, is making sure that that you either have someone really great in insights or that you're using an outside source for insights. That's just, it's critical. It's critical to creating that thought leadership. It's critical to helping you drive decisions um, all the way along the journey. I was going to ask Renee, to what extent is the insights team focused on internal data analytics versus um, market-focused thought leadership and kind of insights on the market itself and category? They're much heavier focused on the market category and mm. and that type of thing. Um, they do they are fully willing to help us as time allows um, with all of the other things. Um, and you know we we thoroughly look up to their skill set. So anytime we can get that assistance, we we appreciate it beyond anything. That's really cool. That's a, you're, you're, and you're right, Jeff. I, I think uh, having a insights team of that magnitude is not uh, that common. I mean, that uh, they do exist, but it's not. Uh, it's you don't run into it every day. So, Renee, what's uh, what's next? Um, where where are you headed? What are you looking forward to? In tw- I think everyone in the world is looking forward to 2021 being different than 2020. Um, what are you looking forward to most in beyond the vaccine? Yeah. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I think the the food and beverage industry has, as with many industries, has really, it's been impacted both in positive ways and negative ways um, over the course of the pandemic. And, um, you know, really seeing how this industry takes it on and continues to evolve, continues to develop, continues to innovate, I think has been just extraordinary to to watch at a time where I know it's really difficult for everybody. Um, for myself, for our team, for our organization, um, you know, it's really about that customer centricity. And, you know, if, if nothing else, and I've always been great at at pivoting and making sure that you know you're taking a look at what's going on and responding. This uh, coronavirus has just been uh, just beyond any pivoting that I had ever experienced before, and so um, you know, continuing to keep that in mind and making sure that the our customers receive that anything that's customer centric. So we have to pivot to a world that is focused on our customers. It's gotta be about that. So taking a look through that lens for everything that we do, how are we solving that? How are we um, you know, providing that additional value to our customers has gotta be what we focus on going forward. Renee, I think that's a, a, a great uh, a lesson to look back on when you think about um, the, uh, uh, I guess, um, the extent to which five-year plans are useful. Um, yeah. I was thinking, yeah, so, yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't pivot your way out of 2020. It's a completely different, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no if-then statement for 2020 when you start planning for it. Oh, my goodness. So many things learned. So many <laughs> things learned. Thank you for sharing uh, your expertise with us today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. It's been great to be here. Thank you for having me. All the best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. 
That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. <laughs> 